God, we're grateful, grateful, grateful. Um, Lord, we recognize you've been so good to us, so faithful, so faithful. And so, Lord, this morning as we look into your word, I thank you that there is truth for every single thing that we are going to deal with in our days, in our lives. And so we look to you. We fix our eyes on you. I pray that you would come and speak to us, Lord. I want to learn more about you today. I want you to reveal yourself to me. I want you to show me things in myself where I can grow, where I can become more like you. And so that is our prayer today. Holy Spirit, come speak as only you can in a room full of people, Lord. Your word can come and speak something different to each and every person because that is the kind of God you are. You know us. You know everything we're going through. You know every thought, every fear. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yes. Did you eat so much food? Right? I, it's, it's my favorite. I just love Thanksgiving. I, I, I wake up that morning and I even like think, do I even want to eat breakfast? And I kind of try and gauge the like, do I want to eat breakfast or do I just want to be really, really hungry? Or is that going to make it worse? Like I'm going to eat so fast because I'm so hungry. Like it's a whole thing. I'm trying to figure out um, how to do Thanksgiving right. But I think it's one of the best feelings of the world, that feeling where you eat so much that you just are so full that you feel like you're going to explode. Maybe you hate that feeling. Anybody hate that feeling where you eat so much? I love that feeling. It's like the best feeling in the world. A couple of people are like, no. Um, you, are, you are far better humans than I am because I love that gluttonous feeling where you eat so much and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And it happens to me every year where I'm eating and I'm like, oh, it's so good. And then I get the second plate and I'm eating. And then all of a sudden there's like that one bite that puts you over the edge. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That one bite where you're like, oh, no. Oh, no, that might have been the one bite that put me over the edge. And then you take a break and you go over to the couch and you kind of roll onto the couch and watch football. And then the pie comes out and you're like, oh, no, it all looks so good. I surely need a slice of every kind that there is, but I'm so full. And so I'm literally like putting, like shoving it into my mouth because I want to eat it, even though I'm like, I'm so full. I can't believe that I'm putting more into my body. But I love that feeling, that Thanksgiving feeling. I remember being pregnant with my kids kids. And the feeling that I hated, I hated a lot of the feelings about that. Like first it was a little like aliens with something growing inside of you. But the weirdest feeling to me was I could never get full. I just like for whatever reason, I never had that sense of being satisfied. It was just like my body was working so hard to grow a human and I just, I would eat and eat and eat and I'd be like, oh, I can't get full. Like it just, there wasn't enough room in there or something. Any of the ladies in here like, know that feeling? I was so frustrated. I remember finally after they were born, I'm like, oh no, I'm going to really eat and get full. And sometimes, you know, when we're trying to be healthy, we're trying to be good. You know, we'll be eating. I think Thanksgiving is the one time that we kind of allow ourselves that feeling of, I'm, I'm just going to eat till I'm going to explode. Because a lot of times, you know, you're eating and it's good, but you're like, you know what? I probably could shove more in there. There's probably a little more room, but I'm not. I'm going to wait. I'm going to have some restraint. I probably don't need the second roll. I probably don't need the second helping. Um, but when it's Thanksgiving, you just, it's like you have permission to just eat until you want to burst. Um, I was just uh, with a coworker who has lost a ton of weight, and I was asking her, how do you, how did you lose all this weight? And she was like, oh, it's, it's great. I'm using these bars, these protein bars, and it's great. And she said this to me, it's very, they're very satisfying. They're very satisfying. And I'm like, 
really? <laughs> I've never had a satisfying protein bar. She's like, I just, you know, I just get up in the morning and I just have my one bar and it's so satisfying. And again, I was like, oh, I'm glad that you're, but I don't know that I've ever had a protein bar satisfy me. That is, uh, that's not the feeling. Um, but I love that idea that on Thursday, there were millions of people all around saying, I'm so full. I'm never going to eat again. Being so satisfied that even if you put the best food in front of them, the most tempting dish, they would say, I can't, I can't, there's no more room, I'm full, I'm satisfied. And I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about that feeling of being filled, being full, being settled, being satisfied. Feeling satisfied is a great feeling, but perhaps it's a feeling we don't experience near enough in the rest of our lives, maybe not just in our appetites, but that feeling of having enough, that feeling of being settled, that feeling of I couldn't even have any more. I'm so filled up, right? I would say that most people today deal with a daily sense of being dissatisfied or unsatisfied. Maybe it's with their jobs. They just constantly have this feeling of not being satisfied with their work. Maybe it's in relationships. There's just something about this that just is not scratching the itch. It's just not, I'm not feeling satisfied. Maybe it's with your stuff, your home or your car or your, your things. You're looking around going like, oh, if I could just have that or if that was different or if I could just get past that, if I could be more successful in this, if I could have an answer to this, I would be more satisfied. I think there's an overall sense that people are eating the protein bar instead of the Thanksgiving meal. Would you agree with me that a lot of us are walking around with this sense of being dissatisfied or unsatisfied? So my question today, is it possible to live a satisfied life? Is it possible to be satisfied with the things that we have, to be satisfied with where we are, with who we are, with where we're going? But more than that, Satisfied within yourself. Satisfied somewhere deep inside of you. A security and a confidence that comes from knowing that you belong to God and that he is enough for you. Over the last 10 years, probably longer than that, I've had one prayer that I've been praying to God. I have been asking him to do a deep work in my heart, to free me of all of those things that keep me dissatisfied, that keep me insecure, that keep me bound to the opinions of others. I am a born people pleaser. And for so many years of my life, I found myself just constantly exhausted from the weight of trying to be good enough and make everybody happy and do what I think that I should do. And that weight was just driving me into the ground. And so probably the last 10 years, I have been watching God do a deep work in my heart to try and peel away those layers. And it's not been fun. It's been painful to look at all of the things that are leading me there. And he's been stripping those things away slowly, piece by piece by piece. But because I asked him to, because that weight of not ever feeling enough was killing me. And I have watched him. He um, has been tearing away things that are unhealthy for me. He's been challenging me to spend my life building his kingdom and his name instead of trying to be successful in my own right, striving to be more, trying to be successful, to be enough in my own. I've been asking God to create that steadiness in my spirit that feels settled, that confidence that's been my prayer. And I was reading a book, probably I started it a few weeks ago, called The Sacred Enneagram, Finding Your Unique Path to Spiritual Growth. It was like 99 cents on Kindle, which is why I got it, but um, it's about the Enneagram, and I haven't even gotten that far into it because the foreword of this book, 
I, I'm stuck on the foreword. That's, that's how great I'm moving forward in this book. Um, Father Richard Rohr wrote the foreword of this book, and this book is about self-discovery. It's about spiritual growth. It's about discovering who you are, who God made you to be. And this is what he said in the opening of this book, and I have probably gone back to it 25 times. I can't get past it because he was talking about his own self-discovery, his own spiritual growth, about asking God to change things and finally getting to a point in his 70s where he felt that subtleness of his spirit. And this is how he described it. The difference is that now... I'm not humiliated by my own humiliation, nor am I inflated by the reports of my own self-congratulation society. Now I have little to prove, and I have little to protect. I have little to prove, and I have little to protect. I keep coming back to that over and over again. I have little to prove and little to protect. When you get to that place where the inside of you isn't constantly trying to prove you're enough, You're not trying to self-protect. You're not trying to keep everybody from seeing the real you. That place of settledness, that is my heart's cry. That is what it means to me to be satisfied, to be filled up, to be satisfied. So what does it mean to have a satisfied spirit? What does it mean to be satisfied with your life in every way possible? Does it mean that your life is perfect? Does it mean that everything's coming together? I always love it when people post like, I'm living my best life. I'm like, is anybody really living your best life? Is, is that really a thing? Is that possible? Does it mean that everything has finally come together for you? The bills are all paid. Every dream has been made. Is that when we are satisfied? Now, it is important. These things have value. It is great to be, to, to be working hard. All those things have value. But there has to be a way. To be satisfied in the midst of circumstances that are not ideal. To feel settled when your life is very unsettled. To feel secure when your flaws are blatantly showing. Is that possible? There has to be a way to love and serve and give out of the settledness of your own heart. Not out of a frenzied attempt to prove your own worth. So I want to go today to Psalm 90, verse 14. This is what we're talking about this morning. Because in Scripture, there is a prayer for God to satisfy the soul. It's actually a prayer of Moses. The Psalms were written by, most of them by David, a few other people. But this particular song was actually a psalm of Moses. And he wrote this psalm, Psalm 90, 14, which says, Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love, so that we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love so that we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Satisfaction is possible, and satisfaction is something that comes from God. He's asking God to give him that. It's something we can ask for and experience to the end of our lives, that it's something that we should have moving inside of us for all of our days. So I looked up the definition of satisfied, just in good old Webster, and it said to be pleased or content with what has been experienced or received. And I think that that's probably what most of us would think, that idea of being content. And when I think of that word content, I actually think of a scripture right away in Hebrews. Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free of the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So I think of that word content. 
a lot of times we think of, okay, that's what it means to be content, to be, to be satisfied. So the Greek word here in Hebrews, when they use that word content, is a word that is, sounds like this, archaeo, it's Greek. And he, what it means is to suffice. To suffice. I'm content. This will do. To suffice, right? And that's what I think of when I think of the word content. I think to suffice. Suffice feels like a protein bar to me, right? You know what? I'm not going to starve. I'm going to get my nutrients. It's going to suffice. I'm going to eat it. It's going to give me the calories. It's going to fill my stomach. It's going to provide what I need. I'm still hungry, but I know that this is better. So I'm going to make a choice to be content with what I have. Suffice is a discipline. Content to me is a discipline to maybe not have a lot, but just say, that's okay. I'm okay with that. Now, that's a really important lesson. That's a really important topic, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're not actually talking about that. We're talking about the word satisfy. So I want to go back to our Psalms verse, Psalms 90:14, when it says, satisfy me in the morning. This is a different word. If you go into the Hebrew, the original language, the word satisfy is the word sabah. And you know what it means? To be full. Not content, which means it'll suffice. It means sabah, to be full. Like, I don't need anything else. I, I got so much. I have eaten so much. I, you could put anything else in front of me. I can't eat it because I am so full. You see the difference? The content is a protein bar word. <laughs> Satisfied is a Thanksgiving word. You see the difference? I am full. I'm full. I have everything inside of me. I, am, I can't take another bite. I have so much. I am full. Not just give me a little bit and I'll choose to be okay with the fact that I'm still hungry because I know it's better for me. Sabah means this, there is something that is going to fill me up so full that I won't feel hungry anymore. And you could put anything in front of me and I would say, no, thank you. You see the difference? This is what God offers us. He offers us fullness. He offers us to be filled. There are a few verses in Scripture that support this concept. Ephesians 3.19 says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Ephesians 1.21 says, And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with what? Himself. He fills all things everywhere with himself. And Psalm 16.11 says, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is what? Fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Scripture talks over and over again about a fullness that comes from knowing God, a fullness of life, a fullness of joy, a fullness of power, a fullness that comes from Christ itself. So if this is what God offers us, if there is fullness to be found, the question then is why are we not living full lives? Why are we not living satisfied lives? And so I want to look today at another passage of Scripture that I believe tells us why. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there to Psalm 81. 
Psalm 81, Psalm is kind of right in the middle. So if you're looking for it, it's kind of right in the middle. And Psalm 81, verses 5 through 16 is a portion of Scripture that I believe will give us a little insight as to if this is what's being offered, why we're not living in that fullness. So it says this, starting in verse 5. I heard an unknown voice say, Now I will take the load from your shoulders. I will free your hands from their heavy tasks. You cried to me in trouble, and I saved you. I answered out of the thundercloud and tested your faith when there was no water at Meribah. Listen to me, O oh my people, while I give you stern warnings. O oh Israel, if you would only listen to me. You must never have a foreign god. You must not bow down before a false god. For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things." But no, my people would not listen. Israel did not want me around. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. But oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. How quickly I would then subdue their enemies. How soon my hands would be upon their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before them. They would be doomed forever. But I would feed you with the finest wheat, and I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. We're not satisfied because we don't want to rely on God to feed us. We want to do it on our own. We want to have our own way. There's a number of promises here. So if you look in Psalm 81, actually, if you look in my Bible, this is how I study. This is just a little side note. I circle all the promises that God makes in pink. You don't have to use pink, Dennis. It's fine. I circle the promises. Okay, this is what God says he's going to do. I have them all circled in pink. If you will, then I circle those in black. Because there is a promise. And a lot of times we grab the promises of God and we're like, well, God, you said, open your mouth and fill me with good things. How come this isn't happening? And God's like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, read all of it. There is places that you have a part. You have a part to play in this. But there are promises here for us that God says, first of all, he says, I'm going to take the load off your shoulders. That heaviness that you're feeling, that thing on your shoulders, that weight, that heaviness, that load, that need to be successful, that need to be light, that heaviness, I'm going to take that off your shoulders. That's a pretty good promise. I think that I would want that. He also says, I'll free your hands from heavy tasks, meaning I'm going to provide for you in ways you could never imagine in your body, in your soul, and in your spirit. That's a really great promise. He says, I'm going to subdue your enemies right in front of your eyes. That thing that is coming after you, they're going to be no more. I'm going to do it right in front of you. You're just going to watch them fall. And then he says, if you open your mouth, I'm going to fill it with really good things. If you open your mouth, I have all these promises for you, and I will fill you with good things. But here is why these things aren't happening. This is what it says in Psalm 81. But the first thing he says is, but this isn't happening because, first of all, I've told you not to worship other gods. And yet you keep bowing down to other idols. Just as we can become so consumed with the things of this world and spend our time and energy and money chasing after all these things other than God, just as they did. It says you keep chasing after all this stuff. You're looking there. When I've told you I will give this to you, you're chasing after it and you are worshiping other idols. It's like the thanks. 
Thanksgiving feast has been set before us. The table is set. Every good thing is sitting there. And we're like, no thanks. I got a bag of Cheetos in the trunk of my car. I think I'll eat that instead. That's what we do when we say, no, I, I want to do it my way. I don't want to rely on you to feed me, God. I can do this myself. I want to do it the way I want, which leads us to the next thing that he says. This isn't happening because you won't listen. Because you won't listen to me. When God told them to do something, they did not do it. When he told them not to do something, you better believe they went right out and did it anyway. They wouldn't listen. He says probably four times in Psalm 81, but you won't listen. Listen to me. Do you do that with your kids? Listen. I said, listen. Are you listening to me? And they're like, and you're like, there is no way they're listening to me right now. And it's so funny that it's like the Lord is like, hello. Why? You won't listen. And we do that. We don't like what he says. And so we just go, la, 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 la. I don't think I heard that, God. And we don't listen when he is speaking to us. And the last thing it says, it says they didn't want him around, which is a pretty interesting thing. It literally says, you didn't want me around. You didn't want me around. They wanted to do their own thing. They didn't want someone telling them what to do. They didn't want someone else to be in control of their life. They wanted to do it their own way. And so they forfeited the hand that was going to feed them and satisfy their souls with the best way possible because they would rather have the control. So they were willing to give up the feast so that they didn't have to listen to what God said. So the question would be, if you're not satisfied, are you doing any of those things listed in Psalm 81? The reason that those people were not finding themselves satisfied by the hand of God. Is there something that you're treating like an idol in your life? Something that you love more than God? Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a job. It can be really great things. It can be absolutely amazing things that you're treating like an idol, that everything rises and sets on. And God's saying, hey, those are blessings I gave you. It's not a bad thing, but you have got to get it in the right place. We are to love God more than anything else. Is it a job? Are you spending so much time just trying to earn success to get to that next level and it's become an idol to you? Is it a substance or an addiction, that thing that you will not let go of even though it's destroying your life? Can you let that go? Is it money? Whatever you're most devoted to, that is your idol. And God says, don't have any idols before me. Are you refusing to listen? That's a good question to ask yourself. Is God speaking to you, and yet you keep pretending that you don't hear what he's saying? He keeps talking to you, and you're like, mm -hmm, yeah, okay, okay. I'll get back to that later. Is God speaking to you, and you're not listening? Or maybe you're not listening at all. Maybe you haven't given enough space in your world for you to even listen to what God might have to say to you. Maybe the last time that you actually sat quietly and said, God, what, what do you want me to do with my life? What are you saying to me? What's hurting me? What's hurting my family? God, I'm listening. Maybe you just never quieted yourself enough to let God speak to you, and he keeps saying, listen to me, listen to me. He has great wisdom for you. And have you invited God into every part of your life, or are you like the Israelites that said, we don't want you around? We want you around when we need something, we want you around when the bottom falls out. But the rest of the time, we want to be able to do whatever we want without anybody telling us what to do. 
That's a good question to ask ourselves. And if your answer is yes to any of these, and believe me, the answer is yes for me today for a number of those things, then we need to repent and regroup and invite God back into the most important place of our lives so that we can feel the fullness of his presence in our lives, so that we can open our mouth wide so that he can fill it with good things, that we would have that fullness, satisfaction in our spirits. So what does that look like? What does a life that's filled with God and satisfied by him look like? And I want to end today with this scripture. Isaiah 51.11 says this, And I will always guide you, and I will satisfy you with good things. I will keep you strong and well. You will be like a garden that has plenty of water, like a spring of water that never goes dry. The idea is if we will lock into God, he promises that he will guide us and satisfy us with good things. He'll keep us strong and well, and that we will be constantly filled up to overflowing by him. I've shared this story before, but it's worth repeating today. A few years ago, Jeff and I went to visit his uncle on the other side of Canada who lives on this beautiful little lake, um, kind of close to Lake Lake Huron. And we were visiting, and they've built all these cute little houses around this little, it's almost like a pond or a lake. And it is the most crystal clear blue water you've ever seen in your life. My kids stood on the dock with a net and just watched the fish and just did that. I mean, it was so beautiful, crystal clear. It was cool. It was so gorgeous. And every house around the lake, there were just pumps coming out from this lake, and they would go up into the houses. And all the water they used for their cooling and everything was just pumped right out of the lake. And it was this beautiful, beautiful place. And I was sitting on the the dock, and I was talking to uh, Jeff's uncle, and I'm like, okay, I'm not much of an engineer, but help me understand something everybody's pulling all this water out of this little lake. How is it not emptying out? And he said, well, this is very interesting. This lake actually just came to be a few years ago because there were miners here, and they were mining. And as they were digging, they hit an underground spring. And this spring is fed from Lake Huron. And it's not fed from the top. It comes all the way from the very, very, very bottom of Lake Huron. And so the water that's coming has been untouched. That's why it's so clear and pure and so cold. Because it's from so far down in Lake Huron. And it just keeps filling from underneath. So no matter how much we pull out, no matter how much, it just keeps filling up. The level never changes. You can't pull out more than will be fed by this beautiful spring, this perfect clear water. And to me, that's what Isaiah 58, 11 means. You will be a spring that will never fail. You will be full all the time if you lock into me. That satisfaction, that spirit that is settled and filled with the fullness of God and his joy and his life. When we learn to tap into him as our source, he will fill us up. And it doesn't matter how much you pour out. It doesn't matter if you're pouring out so much for your family and so much for work and so much for this. And it doesn't matter if anybody ever says, wow, you're great. Because you're filled from the measure of the fullness of God. And so that is my prayer, that we would be locked into that source, 
that our hearts would be fully devoted to God, our minds fixed on him, regularly reading, applying his word, listening to what he says, a surrendered life that says, okay, whatever you say, whatever you ask, that's what I'm going to do. A life that is devoted to him above all things. There is fullness to be found in Christ. He fills all things everywhere with himself. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy and life forevermore. So let's bow our heads and pray today. Oh, Jesus. Lord, we feel it. We feel it in our heart, that dissatisfaction. Lord, we feel that emptiness. We feel that want. And maybe there are people who, here today that don't have a relationship with you, that they haven't said, okay, I'm, I'm in. I'm giving my life over to you, God. I recognize I can't do this by myself anymore, but I need you. I need you. And so today is the day that they are going to wholly give their lives over to you. Lord, I pray that today you would begin to fill them with all the fullness of God. That every place that has felt dry and barren and cracked and weary would suddenly have gushing springs of life coming into every one of those places and that they would know that today is the day they are forever changed because you have filled them with the fullness of God. Lord, I pray that today every heart in this place would yield to you. Lord, that we would sit down at the feast that you have prepared for us and we would recognize that there is no better thing and everything else that we spend our time and energy on is just a cheap imitation. But when we sit at your table, God, there's fullness of joy and life forevermore. And our hearts will truly be satisfied. Lord, I pray for those today that, that do know you but have to learn to walk in that fullness. I pray, God, that you would teach us how to do that, that in moments where we are feeling that unsettledness, maybe we're feeling insecure about something or we're feeling worried or we're feeling that drive uh, sending us to places we shouldn't go or we're spending too much time on things, God, that you don't want us spending that much time on and that, that inner, inner drive is just leading us to carry heavy weight and heavy burdens. I pray that today you would help us to just sit back and say, Lord, I want to be satisfied in you. I want more of you. Fill me so that I have little to prove and little to protect. I thank you, God, that you are enough for that. You are enough for every one of us. I pray, Jesus, that we would be people who live lives that are satisfied in you. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. And everybody together said, Amen. 